Welcome to Love String, love stories that tie us all together. I am your host, Rachel Fiorello, a true believer in love and now a dedicated teller of love stories. In episode seven, we will hear from Renzo. Renzo shares his love story with his wife, Josune. His love story was cut short after he lost his young wife to cancer. So sit back, open up your hearts, and get ready to fall in love. Renzo, thanks so much for joining me today and chatting with me a little bit. Well, thank you, first of all, uh, for thinking of us and uh, for giving us the opportunity to share our our love story. Um, I hope people find it enjoyable and inspiring. We often hear about, you know, relationships not working out. So I hope that, uh, you know, sharing my story gives the younger generation and uh, some kind of a motivation or something to look forward to that, you know, they could have a, a good marriage and a good relationship in the future. Love that. So then let's jump right into it. Um, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about how you and Josune first met and kind of what the start of your relationship was like? So um, first of all, I was born in Peru and I lived there until I was about 12 years old when my whole family decided to move here because of different reasons. And um, we ended up moving to Miami. My parents and, and us, you know, I'm the younger of three brothers. Um, we had great friends in Peru and we always wanted to kind of maintain those, those relationships with the people there. So that kind of meant that we were going back about once a year, once every two years on average, um, just to see our friends. So I met Josie in one of these trips when I was down there. So I was staying at a friend's house and he had a girlfriend, which happened to be Josie's best friend. And being teenage boys, we wanted to obviously hang out with the girls and we called them and uh, they happened to be hanging out at Josune's house. So we had a friend that had a chauffeur and he took us there. And I remember that day perfectly. Um, I remember when we got to her house and we were standing, they had a like a gate where you can see through it. And I remember standing there and Josie came to open the door and um, then we went inside, we hung out by the pool because that's where they were. And I was about 15 and Josie was 13, almost 14 years old at the time. So we were young, but uh, we had a great time that day and something, you know, happened. I remember that when it was time for us to leave, um, I felt that I was somehow going to end up with her. And I know it sounds weird because I was young and at 15, you don't really know what love is and uh, you're kind of young, but you know, I, I, whatever you, whatever I felt that day, I know it was real and it's kind of hard to explain, but, um, but it kind of changed me and uh, it was beautiful. So that's kind of where, you know, how I met her. That's amazing that you guys met at such a young age. And I mean, you don't hear about that very often. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I know. And, um, and we kept the relationship going, even though we lived in two different countries, which, uh, you know, this was early 90s. And remember back then, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have text messages, we didn't have all the technology that we have now to communicate. So basically, the two ways that we could 
communicate was landlines, and those were long-distance phone calls, which were very expensive, and uh, the old uh, good, reliable postal service. So for the first few years of our relationship, we wrote letters to each other, and the letters that you you know fold, put inside an envelope, <laughs> and uh, put a stamp on it and mail it out. And I have all the letters that she sent me. I saved them all, and she saved all the letters that I that I sent her, which is uh, you know I have them all saved in there. And I guess one one day I can read them if I wanted to. So that's that's amazing. Yeah. What a cool thing to keep and have, and that's really amazing. Yeah. So so take me from there then you guys were obviously still living apart and where your story began that you guys finally were able to be together. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I, I used to go about once a year and every, every time I was there, I would see her, you know, for a day or two, depending on, you know, if she was dating anybody or not. Um, but we would definitely see each other. So when I was about 18, um, I ended up going again to Peru and I went over to her house to see her. And this time I was by myself. And I remember that we were in there in the living room and she had a sunken living room, which had, you know, it was two steps down. And I don't know if she was showing me around, you know, the house or something, but I remember being on the bottom and she was on the top and she was looking away. And I was just, you know, I, I really liked her a lot. And she was looking away. So I, I called her and I said, hey, Josie. And then as soon as she turned around, I kissed her. And we kissed, and that was the first time that I told her, you know, that I really liked her, that I loved her. Um, but then again, I was 18, she was about 16 years old, and we were young kids, and, uh, you know, we still live very far away from each other. But, um, you know, that, I think that day is when I kind of, you know, reassured the same feeling that I had the first time that I met her, like, this girl is special. Like, I, I really want to end up with this girl at some point in my life. Did you guys talk about, I mean, you obviously knew you felt that way, but did she express the same feelings? Did you guys like turn that into this exclusive relationship while you were apart? No, so that same year in, uh, in the summer, she came here for two weeks. She stayed in Fort Lauderdale with her family. And I remember going up from Miami every day to see her and we spent as much time as we could together. And she did have the same feelings that I had, but we both didn't want to have, uh, you know, being an exclusive relationship at such a young age, we were, we were, when we were going to miss out on a lot of things in life. So we kind of knew that we liked each other a lot, but it wasn't the right time to commit, if that makes any sense. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we stayed as friends. So we continued as friends. You know, now a few years had gone by. The internet already was up, so we could email each other. Communication was a lot better. And, um, you know, but, and, and I dated other girls after that, and she dated other boys. And I know for, from my side, and I, and I think from her side as well, like every girl that I dated, uh, inevitably I would compare with her. So, they never, you know, they were good girls. There was nothing wrong with them, but they were not what I was looking for. They were, you know, they didn't meet all the, you know, they didn't check all the boxes and Josie did. So, you know, I, I always knew that somehow I had to end up, you know, looking for her 
and and finding a way to be with her. So fast forward, you know, a few years, it was New Year's of 1998, and I had planned another trip to Peru to spend there with some friends. And we had planned a beach, uh, to stay at a beach hotel about eight hours from Lima. So I, I told Josie to come with some friends. So we were, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 kids that we decided to go. And now in 98, I was about 23 years old. So I had already graduated. I had my degree. I had started my own company. So I was in a different stage in my life where, you know, I had already done the things that I wanted to do and I wanted kind of a, a more serious relationship. So in New Year's Eve at the, you know, in the party, I, I uh, kind of pulled her aside and I, you know, I told her everything that I felt, you know, I told her that I loved her. I told her that, you know, since the first day that I met her, I didn't stop thinking about her, that I compared every girl with her and, you know, the whole story. And uh, so at that point we decided to give it a try. You know, she told me that she felt the same way and um, we decided to give it a try in this long distance relationship. So we dated like that for two years until we got married in uh, February 16, 2001. So mind you, for two years, we lived apart and we didn't spend more than two consecutive weeks together. Because I would go every about, you know, once every two months, three months, depending on, you know, when I could get off work and spend a long weekend over there. And then, uh, and then I had to come back. And then the longest time that we would spend each other was like Christmas, New Year's holidays when it was about two consecutive weeks. But other than that, I would come back here and then the same thing. She would always come here for a few days and then she would have to go back. So the first time that we really spent more than two weeks together was after we got married, which is, uh, you know, kind of risky if you think about it now. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it worked out for, you know, perfectly for us. Um, I think we kind of both were very sure about what, what we were feeling and, and sure about each other. Well, yeah, it seems so, right? I mean, that's, what a great story. So what happens next? So now you guys first spent your more than two weeks together, then what? So now that we we're here and obviously since we dated long distance for two years, we didn't want to have kids right away. So for those two years, you know, we kind of traveled and, and, you know, spend, you know, try to enjoy our time together as a couple as much as we could. And about four years later, then we had our first child, Tiago, a boy in 2005. And almost, you know, three and a half, almost four years later, we had Sienna in 2008. And at that point, I mean, I, I look back and I always, you know, remember, like, you always, at least that, that the way that I am, I kind of, like to see how my how am I doing in my life and at that point in my life I felt like I had the perfect life I was living the dream I had married the girl that I wanted the girl of my dreams my best friend I had a boy and a girl healthy smart beautiful kids and I had a a, a great job you know I was starting my own company I was doing you know okay so um, everything was perfect so um, in 2011 uh, we were planning on going to the Keys for spring break. And Josie decided to try out some bathing suits before going. And when she was trying out one of the bathing suits, she noticed that she had a a lump on her right breast. I wasn't home at the time, so she called me, and I remember the, the whole conversation. Um, so we immediately made appointments with doctors, and we had a whole week of, of being in, in hospitals doing tests and whatnot. And uh, a week later, 
our worst fear, uh, you know, was real. And they told us that uh, she had breast cancer. She was, oh. she was 34 years old. Um, so Sienna was about two years old. Tiago was, you know, five, six at the time. And, uh, you know, I try not to, to panic with, with things, but uh, a few years before I had lost my mom to breast cancer. So oh seeing, you know, kind of, I, I kind of knew what, you know, how serious this thing was. And um, the doctors were quite optimistic at the time. Um, you know, they said that the cancer was kind of localized in that uh, right breast. So they told us to go ahead and enjoy our spring break. And obviously don't enjoy it, but uh, we did go out anyways. And as soon as we came back, she had uh, her, her surgery scheduled. Uh, she had a bilateral mastectomy uh, and then followed by eight sessions of chemotherapy, three weeks apart, and then radiation. So basically our whole summer was, was shot. Um, wow. So after, you know, that whole um, uh, treatment, um, you know, she was cancer-free. She was in remission. And obviously after that, that big scare for the uh, years that followed, we, we did as much as we could because we know that, uh, you know, it was kind of like a wake up call, you know, we can go at any moment and uh, the future is uncertain. So we took as many trips as we could. Uh, we enjoyed as much time as we could together with the kids, with the family. So the next four years were, you know, amazing for us. Uh, we had a, a great time. But unfortunately, um, every, you know, since we got married, since her family stayed in Peru, we, uh, we would go back uh, at least once a year. And usually it would be in the, uh, at the end of the year for Christmas and New Year's. So in 2015, we already had our, our trip planned to go back to Peru to spend Christmas and New Year's with her family. Um, but she had her routine checkup like a week before our trip was, you know, we were ready to, to leave. And um, the checkup was basically they would draw blood and do some tests. And if all the markers were fine, then, then she wouldn't see the doctor for another three months. But a couple of days later, we got a call from the, uh, from the oncologist and she tells them that, uh, you know, she tells us that the liver markers were high and that she wanted to rule out any serious, you know, issues. So she recommended that we get an ultrasound. So that very next day, we got an ultrasound done. And at the end of the day, she calls us back and, you know, she told us that basically the, uh, everything was pointing towards the cancer coming back in the liver. So, oh. and it wasn't just one tumor, like the whole liver was, was taken. And, uh, oh my goodness. Yeah. So we didn't know if to cancel our trip or not. And, you know, I guess you get, uh, signs from the world and Tiago's passport for whatever reason we hadn't noticed that it had expired so uh, I noticed that it was expired so we couldn't go anyways so I guess that was a, a sign for us to that meant that we weren't going to go to Peru and we were going to stay here so the prognosis from the doctors they basically told her that um, you know she was gonna have about six months to live oh my goodness uh, and that was if she followed the, you know, the chemotherapy that they wanted to give her and all the treatments that, that, uh, that they said that could help, but they didn't know if it was going to help. 
So after the first round, you know, four, four or five years before that she had her chemotherapy, um, Josie didn't want to have her last months of life uh, suffering with with the chemotherapy because she, she knows how bad you feel with it. So we both decided that we would try alternative medicine. So we went the holistic route. And um, we ended up getting about almost two years instead of six months. And out of the two years, about a year and a half were good you know, quality time where we were able to travel and we were able to enjoy, uh, you know, each other's company, the kids and, and do everything that we basically were doing as, a, as normal as possible. You know, the only thing that, you know, she couldn't eat certain foods or do certain things that the alternative medicine uh, recommended. But other than that, I mean, she wasn't feeling bad as if she was taking chemotherapy. So, um, you know, the last four months, um, you know, she's, she, she, she wasn't feeling very well. So I had to take care of her, uh, here in the house. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I think we were fortunate enough is that knowing that she was going to pass, we, uh, we did have a session with a therapist, like a family session where, uh, you know, we got to, together with the kids and we kind of brought them up to speed because they knew that the mom was sick, but they didn't know how how severe it is and they're you know being young kids they don't always know uh how serious things are so we had the opportunity fortunately of of you know all of us together as a family and talked everything over as open as as we possibly could and uh it was a very emotional very hard you know day and time that we spent you know that day but at the same time um i think it was very healing for all of us because we were able to uh to say our goodbyes in a way, um, and, and you know, don't have anything unsaid. But um, so Josie passed on November fourth, two thousand seventeen, at thirty nine years old, um, just ten days before her fortieth birthday. So my perfect life was uh, was not perfect anymore. I'm so sorry. That's. I mean, you guys are so lucky to have had, you know, those last years together when, when you didn't think you would. Um, but I still can't imagine knowing what's to come. How do you feel that you prepared for that? What did you do differently once you knew that that was going to be the result? You know, it's, it's funny because, um, I don't know if you hear people say that uh, hope is what the last thing you lose. And uh, I, I was kind of like that. I had somehow I was hoping for a miracle to happen and I was kind of in denial. I, I knew that it was going to happen, but I kind of did not want to believe it, that she was going to pass. I was hoping that some kind of a miracle was going was gonna to happen and she was going to stay with us. Um, there is no no easy way to prepare for it, and uh, you think you're prepared, but when when it happens, uh, you realize that there's nothing really that you, know, you can prepare for that moment. Was there anything during that time that you were able to say to her, or that she was able to say to you, that kind of gave you that peace? Yeah, I think that. Uh, 
you know, what, what gave me a lot of peace is that she, she was always very grateful of, of me. Um, she was grateful that I was able to take care of her. Um, she was grateful that uh, we had a wonderful marriage. Um, so really, um, I had no regrets. You know, I, there's nothing that I can tell you that I would have done differently. Um, and I don't think that she could have done anything differently either. Um, so that kind of gives you, you know, peace of mind that uh, that the time that we had together was as, as best that the best that it could be. Yeah, it's almost like this ultimate love story that was just too short, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. What has life been like since losing Josie? So it's been very, uh, very tough. You know, um, Josie and I used to be like partners, uh, you know, teams in the house, everything from, you know, we would cook together, everything we would do, we would do together. So finding myself by myself, um, all of a sudden it's not, it's not easy. You know, I had to do the same things that I was doing before. And now I have a whole lot of other new uh, tasks that I need to do. And, you know, I think I'm a good dad, but there's stuff that only women can do and then a mother can do that I, as hard as I can try, that there's no substitute for a mom. And, um, and that's kind of, you know, the hardest thing for me to realize is that I, I can do as much as I want or, or give it all my best, but I, I know that I can't substitute her. Um, so it's kind of, uh, it's kind of hard for me to, to accept that, you know. But um, other than that, I mean, uh, you, I guess you get used to your, you get used to everything and you learn to deal with your new reality and, and adapt to, to what life brings you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. I miss everything about her. I miss waking up in the morning and, uh, you know, turning around and seeing her next to me. And, you know, every day before we, I would get out of the bed, I would, you know, hug her and we would hug in, in bed for a few minutes before I would get up and you know that was the best way of starting my day not having that anymore not having that reassurance that you have somebody that tells you hey you're doing a good job or no you're not doing a good job or if you don't know if you're doing something right you can ask them and they will tell you you know their opinion or uh you know just having somebody there it's uh and somebody that you want to be with it's you know it's hard. What has losing her taught you about love in general? I think that uh, love is very, uh, very strong. And when you love somebody, anything is possible, I think. Um, I think love is what's kept me, you know, being my kids alive, you know, because I, I still love just Josie and I will always love her and that love is never going to go away. Um, and, you know, that, that love that she gave me and she gave the kids is what basically keeps us, keeps us going every day. What would you want people to take away from your love story? I mean, you guys, we're so lucky to meet at such a young age and to share so much time together. What would be the biggest thing people could take away from your story? 
So I, I think there's two things that I would like people to take away from this. And number one is if you have a dream, go for it. Um, you know, if you meet somebody that you really like and you think is a special person, don't be afraid to fall in love. Don't be afraid to tell them how you feel and, and just go for it. Um, you know, everybody can have the perfect marriage, the perfect relationship. You have to work at it. I think that the the reason why our relationship was so good is because I would always put Josie in front of me. I would always look for her happiness and she was my priority. And at the same time, I was her priority. She was always wanting to please me and to make me happy. So when you have two people that want to constantly make each other happy, um, you know, the, the relationship just works. So don't be selfish, you know, always look to try to please your, your partner, the person you're with, and make sure that, you know, you get the same love in, uh, in return. And um, if you're lucky enough to find the right person, you know, tell them that you love them every day, all the time. The second thing that I think uh, I would like people to take away is that, you know, life is short. Uh, I never thought that my marriage would end up uh, so soon, so quick, and you never do. And it doesn't mean that it's going to happen to everybody, but um, live life and, and enjoy the present. And I know it sounds cliche and everybody says that, oh, you know, enjoy the moment, enjoy the moment, but really do. Do the things that you like to do. Don't wait for tomorrow. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. The future's uncertain. So if there's a vacation you want to take or there's something that makes you happy or that you want to do, do it today. Don't leave it for later. Um, you know, the present is what we have. We don't know what the future is going to bring. Renzo, thank you so much for sharing your story, your outlook on life and love and and giving people hope to know, you know, that there is that person out there. And when you find them, you really want to share every moment you can with them. Um, so I really appreciate you sharing your story with us today and letting us hear, you know, all the details of your love with Josie. My pleasure. Again, thank you for, for the opportunity and uh, to share, you know, I've never had the opportunity to share my love story in uh, publicly. And, and I think this is a great thing that you're doing. So I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Love String, love stories that tie us all together. Join us for our next episode, where we'll hear the love story of Esty and Eric, Esty and Eric were planning their fairy tale wedding before calling it all off. Esty shares why they have since gotten back together to continue their love story. If you have a love story you want to share, we want to hear it. Email us at lovestringpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to leave a review. Until then, keep looking for it. Love is all around.